Hi guys, Emily here. I was going to record a nice little introductory message for you for this next episode, but you may hear my totally crazy neighbors losing their freaking minds in the background. I've tried to record this about 10 different times and now I'm just kind of giving up. My plan was to come on here and tell you how excited we were to have Brie Carnegie join us for this episode. And I wanted to let you know that because we are a two-microphone podcast, Bree and I did end up having to share one mic, so sometimes we can sound a little distant. It's not going to be quite as crystal clear as Joel's microphone. There's also one point at which my microphone drops out for just a few split seconds, and I was able to recover the audio from his recording, so you might hear a funny little sound, but... I think the overall quality of the episode and just the hilarity that ensues was way too good to scrap this and try all over. So please tune in, enjoy this one, and if you hear my crazy neighbors, sorry. The world is a confusing, stressful, and often frightening place. And we each have our own unique coping mechanisms that help us get by. Some people will tell you that when life gives you lemons, you should make lemonade. No, that's terrible advice. Just randomly getting free fruit is extremely suspicious. Haven't you heard of Snow White? That's actually uh, a really good point. It's usually not a great idea to consume anything if you're not totally sure what's in it. If you're the type of person who copes with discomfort by making strange jokes and who enjoys losing yourself in a creepy and sometimes bloody mystery, please join us for our dark comedy podcast, Studying Scarlet. We alternate weekly between true crime and fictional crime, and we even take listener requests for episode topics. So if you too have a morbid sense of humor, we'd love to welcome you into our weird, quirky, and sometimes disturbing world. Studying Scarlet is available on your favorite podcast app, and you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We can't wait to meet you. Please subscribe today. I'm Lindsay Belenti. And I'm Madison Stengel. And we're the hosts of Ye Old Crime, where we discuss the funny... Hey man, he's a nice guy. And they're like, no, he's disgusting. He has hooves. Strange. There are EVPs of spirits saying, get out in a room where patients committed suicide. And obscure crimes of yesteryear. Here, Justin. Here's your first phallic amulet. Join us Wednesdays, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime. I've seen his many Car adventures. Potato. Many adventures. I follow them very intensively on Instagram. I figured Car Potato had to be here for our special guest. Like how you tried he to is sneak the special a guest. big old potato in your pocket. I, I don't but somehow it worked they, out. Nobody knew. <laughs> <laughs> no. Welcome, welcome. Here's Car Potato. <laughs> I'm honored. You've been following his. I can't say his because he he's he's not a he. Car Potato is generalist. Yes. Car potato is a car potato. <laughs> like many of us who become LGBT potatoes at some point in life. You pee potato. <laughs> Start the petition. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Emily. I'm Joel. And we are Drink Drunk Dead. Dead. 
We have a special guest for you this week. We have Bree Carnegie. Am I saying that last name right? Yes. Yay. Like the science center. And her good friend, Roger, who's sitting in a corner, not with a mic, just kind of over there. You may hear him laughing hysterically at points. Not important to the episode. No. <laughs> but Bree's going to have some stories to tell us, and we're going to have a few questions, but we're going to go through kind of our usual stuff to begin with. So we've got our drink tonight. What are we drinking, baby? What was it called? Seriously, you did the fucking story. How do you not know what it's called? We watched the movie. I did the story? Red rum. Red rum. <laughs> it's called red rum. Shit, man. I can't do this tonight. <laughs> That's been our podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. <laughs> okay. So, red rum. Let's get you the recipe for those of you who might be interested. It's very sweet. What's your take on it, Brie? It's delicious. It's like an adult Hawaiian punch. It's very, very sweet. So it is 750 milliliters, so basically a bottle of Bacardi Raz, two frozen concentrate orange juices, eight cups of Hawaiian punch, which is a really a shit ton of Hawaiian punch, man. Hawaiian punch. <laughs> but we bought, it only comes in a big ass jug and we didn't even go through half of it. I didn't realize how much fucking Hawaiian punch comes in that thing. <laughs> and then two packages of unsweetened tropical Kool-Aid and one cup of sugar. Honestly, I think you probably could leave out the sugar. It is so sweet. It would have been fine. Yeah. So you freeze it overnight, and then you scoop it into a cup, and you pour some Sprite, 7-Up, some kind of lemon-lime soda over top. And it's pretty good. It's very, very sweet. What do you think, baby? It's decent. It's decent. He's not even drinking it now. <laughs> Would you, you went with tequila instead? <laughs> no, that's the um, Jack. Oh, you still had some of the Jack honey left. Look at Otto's going to get drunk. He's up there licking the spoon. No, he's licking the fucking butter knife, cat. <laughs> God damn it. All right. I'm all, I'm all off after that <clears throat> shenanigans there. <laughs> Shall we talk about our spotlight this week? Sure. All right. So this week, our spotlight is on the Equal Justice Initiative. Have you ever heard of it? Okay. Have you ever seen the movie Just Mercy? I have not. With Michael B. Jordan? I have seen very little movies. <laughs> Michael you'll you'll come to learn that about me. Oh. <laughs> I've seen The Shining. Well, I hope so. <laughs> Several times. Okay, so the Equal Justice Initiative. It's a nonprofit organization that was founded in 1989 by a public interest lawyer named Brian Stevenson. That's uh, He's portrayed by Michael B. Jordan in the film. It's based out of Montgomery, Alabama, and... It provides legal representation to people who've been wrongly convicted of crimes, who've been unfairly sentenced or denied uh, a fair trial, or abused in state jails and prisons. But that's not all they do. They really do a lot. They challenge the death penalty and extreme sentences for children, which I'll get into more of that in just a minute. It's really awful. They uh, challenge excessive punishment and abusive prison conditions through advocacy, litigation, and education. So they really work to make sure that our prison system isn't just ending up a place where we dump people and treat them like they are no longer humans. Yeah. They also provide re-entry assistance to formerly incarcerated people, which is a really big deal because I think Absolutely. probably for a lot of people that's that's a struggle, especially after, you know, some of them 15, 30 years. Yeah. A big focus for them is on changing the narrative about race in the U.S. And part of how they accomplish this is uh, working closely with marginalized communities. So they work with poor and um, communities that are largely POC. So they really want to make sure that they're getting treated equally. They want to bring kind of attention to that and they want to make sure that they have adequate representation that their voices are heard. 
They invest quite a bit of energy in education regarding the history of racism in the U.S. and how it's shaped the country, particularly the justice system. Which, if you know anything about our justice system, it's pretty—it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's huge, especially now, lately. Mm-hmm. They've produced numerous studies and reports looking at historical and contemporary injustices, such as Reconstruction following the Civil War, lynchings, and the Civil Rights Movement. And they've also looked at things like racial discrimination and the jury selection. And that's just to name a few of things. They, they found quite a bit of racial discrimination and jury selection, which isn't honestly that, that surprising. I was going to say that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> which is That's sad. unfortunate, yeah. But at least they're bringing attention to it. Yeah, and they're absolutely. putting numbers on it, which makes it harder to argue. Yeah, that's what with. I think people need to see in order to believe stuff like mm-hmm. that. One of these reports was one that looked at the number of children that have been sentenced to death or imprisoned until death. And it found that 73 cases of, thir- they, it found 73 cases of 13 to 14 year old children that were condemned to these kinds of punishments, death or imprisonment till death. 70% of these kids were kids of color. Not surprising. Unfortunate, but not surprising. Yeah. So they, they work really hard to bring attention to the fact that there is this problem and Something needs to change. And they work, they're one of the most successful, well-recognized, they're award-winning for what they do. I, I, I thought it was really worthy of our spotlight this week, and I hope people pay attention to it. I think that the fact that there's still people out there who don't believe that racial discrimination is a thing is, is astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with numbers and facts like that. Yeah. If they, I, well, you can, um, if you want to, you guys can go to uh, eji.org to read the reports. You can learn more about what the organization does and you can donate there or you can become an active ally, learn about how you can help. So go check out eji.org for the Equal Justice Initiative. So that's our spotlight for this week. All right, so let's get into a few questions that we have for you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? 24. 24. And you've been a paranormal investigator? How long? I started when I was, well, I actually started investigating when I was uh, 14 was my first main one. But when I was younger, I used to watch all like the ghost hunters and a haunting and American haunting shows with my mom all the time. She was huge into it, but she was always uh, really nervous (laughs) all the time Mm -hmm. and never really liked to, you know, she liked to watch it on TV, but she didn't like to interact with it. Didn't want to engage it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Which I don't blame her. And to this day, she still always told me if I ever brought anything home from an investigation that I'd be grounded forever. (laughs) Did you bring anything home? (laughs) Knock on wood. No, not anything that I, not anything that I can recall unless something, you know, tormented her and she just never told me. I have a feeling if that was the kind of threat that she probably would have told make you. It very clear, <laughs> she I think. would let you know. <laughs> it's a good way to get back at you, though. Ground you, make you stay in the house with whatever you brought back. Yeah, but, like, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Maybe she's going to make you stay there and help clean it out. Or make me leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that there's this ghost here that you want to talk to, but now you need to get the hell out. Because this is your punishment for bringing it home. <laughs> so what got you into investigating? What, what made you want to do that? The more that I watched those shows with my mom and, you know, as I got older and I was able to see like, you know, movies and stuff like that, it was more of like a, like a fascinated horror with it. I was always, and still kind of am a really skeptical person. So I loved watching it and I, you know, believed it to an extent, but I never really fully believed it because I had never experienced anything like that. So until my first one at the Mansfield Reformatory when I was 14 with the Ghost Adventures crew, 
was like my very first one. And you that was started at 14 with the ghost adventure. Yeah. Show? Yeah. Oh my you know? goodness. And you had to have an adult, but I was like, I was so into it and I had my equipment and everything. And they were like, okay, you know, we'll give this little girl a shot. And, um, the first one in the reformatory, Zach Baggins actually locked me in a cell in the, in the, in the basement. That sounds like something the, Zach would <laughs> you know, do. He should have been my first clue. And he was just like, get this girl the hell away from me. You locked her. And, um, there was some sort of like recording of it or something somewhere. Cause my mom said that she had watched it later. And Zach was like, I gave you, you know, a girl, she's willing to, you know, allow you to use her to communicate. And my mom was like, please don't be Brie. Please don't be Brie. And he was like, her name's Brie. And my mom was like, God damn it. Oh my God. <laughs> and your you know, mom you first... do this <laughs> No, I was like, you took me, you, you drove four and a half hours to take me here to this. But that was, uh, my real first experience with it. And it was just all downhill from there, you know, in a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how did you like being on Ghosted? Well, you weren't on the show. You were an intern behind the scenes, correct? Yeah. It so, was a darkness radio event. Dave Schrader, he hosts darkness radio and the holds their files and everything on, mm-hmm. uh, travel channel now um he hosted it and like jeff blanger and chip chip coffee and all these other you know investigators and they hold like events and demonstrations it was kind of like a little clinic thing that they did and uh it was a meet and greet initially and then a certain number of people got to do the investigation so we did a lockdown with them okay so were you just there for like one thing you didn't stick around for i did a. it was a couple day event and it started with a meet and greet and then we would do like i said the presentations and stuff and then the final was the lockdown and then that was the initial one that we did and then after that it was stanley and they did a couple in ireland which i unfortunately never got to attend which would have been awesome but yeah i know but so did you get to be a part of any of the the filming obviously you weren't on that side of the camera but did you help set up or anything or um i uh was along for when, I guess when they were setting up, you can say, um, I was never like a, a part of it, like, you know, stage crew or anything, but I attended some of the things and then we ended up, you know, leaving before they would actually do it, which is great. Cause I do not want to be on camera. <laughs> so that was fine with me. <laughs> what was, what was the coolest part about getting to be a part of that? Um, I so, so admired Zach when I was younger and, you know, part of it is cause he's smoking hot, but part of it is because they, <laughs> you know, him and, and Aaron and Nick, I mean, like, they they brought a whole new light to paranormal investigations, especially, you know, when I was so young in 14, 15, and usually it's... Good lord, cats. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like thunder in the fucking background. Like, did somebody just, like, fall down the stairs? Nope, cats. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They they really changed the game for it, and, you know, and when you're younger, you can do, like, the Halloween tours and stuff, like, the brewery, the Union Station does their Halloween tours, and Cemetery does Halloween tours and stuff, but to, you know, do like a lockdown with them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and see how they do everything. And, and they split up and, you know, Aaron does the audio cause he's so into that. And Zach does all the instigating and prodding cause he's a dick. You know, how do you feel about the instigation when it comes to investigating? I love it. I think really? I was actually, Chris asked me that yesterday and that's really kind of my go-to thing. Cause that's how I've gotten the most reaction out of it. I'm a really, like, I'm a really instigating person. In, you know, general, I love to poke the bear. That's like my thing, you know? So when it comes to like ghosts and stuff, I have never had an experience. Like I've had one physical experience, but it wasn't anything like detrimental. And I'm sure that if I did, that was a result of prodding. I'd probably feel differently, but that's how I've always gotten like the best results. And I always thought that it worked the best at, you know, getting people angry, kind of ruffling their feathers. (laughs) Do you ever do kind of like after you've had that, you've gotten them all riled up to kind of have a discussion or you ever apologize like hey sorry i had to take it there kind of thing so that you can respect them or the one time that i had a a a physical you know interaction with one i guess you could call it 
was, it was actually at the Stanley. It was my first time there. And my friend Morgan and I were in our room doing an investigation and we weren't getting any, anything, you know? So at this time, you know, we're like 15, 16, we're getting pissed off that, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, come on, this is the Stanley hotel. Like this is one of the most haunted fucking hotels. And after a while, I remember like going to itch myself and she was like, you have like, and I had three scratches. It was right over top of my tattoo. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything that drew blood, you know? But it was enough for, like, us to leave. And I went and I found Dave Schrader. It was like, Uncle Dave, I'm scared. And he was like, well, then don't, you know, fuck with demons and open a portal to hell if you can't take the heat and get out of the kitchen. And I was like, okay, sorry. So I did end up, you know, we went back and I was like, sorry if I pissed you off, you know, because I have to sleep in this room and I really don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) I really don't want to come back to that and wake up, you know, with the shit kicked out of me. But, yeah. And, you know, it turned out we got... That was the creeper story I told you earlier. I'm sure I'll go over later. You know, so it turned out being good evidence. I like to think that you know, there's like a mutual respect there that if I did apologize that they respected my apology and, and didn't hurt me anymore. <laughs> You're still intense. living to tell the tale, so yeah, they respected yeah. it at least <laughs> enough. Yeah. Apparently it dig it, didn't dig its claws in hard enough that it followed you home, so that's yeah. a plus. I didn't get grounded, so. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's like, fuck you, man, what'd you bring it home? <laughs> yep. We have a couple questions for you from some people on uh, Twitter. Okay. And some of them are a little... I had to look this one up. This comes from Storytime Hockey Podcast, and they wanted to know if you are related to the late Herb Carnegie. There's there's a lot of Carnegies out yeah. there, and I am. Um, they all come from Scot Scotland and Ireland, Scot Ireland, and I'm distantly related to all of them, but obviously not enough that I have money. <laughs> well, this guy is uh, he's a Jamaican who went to play in Canada. I had to look it up because that's I was like wild. I don't know who this person is. No, I'm, unfortunately, I'm <laughs> not Jamaican at all. So. <laughs> That's awesome, though. <laughs> I had no, a, I just thought that a, was an eye, I got my eyes checked at Target a while ago, and the eye doctor was like, you're related to Andrew Carnegie? I'm like, do you think I'd be getting my eyes checked at a Target if I was related <laughs> to Andrew Carnegie? No, he's going to come to my house. <laughs> yeah, right? And bring all the fancy equipment. <laughs> From the Studying Scarlet podcast, which is a great show. I know you're not that into podcasts, but it's true crime. It's so good. I love it. Shout out, Ash. What is the one thing that you wish more people understood about paranormal investigations? Um, probably, probably how easy it is to, to do something wrong and, you know, really like piss something off and then Mm -hmm. get yourself hurt or, you know, open up a can of worms that most people aren't really equipped to deal with. You know, lots of people I think go in and you know, they're skeptics and they kind of go with a cocky attitude and, and, you know, because I've done it, you know, personally speaking from personal experience, it's really easy that if you're in the right environment with the right attitude and the right energy to really kind of screw something up and really piss something off, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which can, you know, is different if you're pissing off an animal or a friend, you know, something that you can't see is is a whole different story. I, I don't think a lot of people take it as seriously as they should. I could see that. Do you think people get a little too, do they anticipate more activity than they're likely to run into? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, on TV shows, it they makes have to it, squeeze it all mm-hmm. into an hour to make it seem like, I mean, the Ghost Adventures crew, when they they lock it down at six o'clock and they don't get out till six in the morning, you mm-hmm. know, they're at for like 10, 11, 12 hours. And sometimes, you know, the episodes are even kind of boring. You know, they don't get anything. They have to really dig through the 12 hours of evidence that they got to mm-hmm. put an episode together. And it's really easy to get frustrated when that's the case, you know, especially if you have, you know, kind of had some experiences and you're going to a place like the Stanley Hotel or the Mansfield Reformatory expecting to get a lot and then you don't get a lot. It's really easy to get pissed off. Places like, that are notoriously haunted. Yeah. Yep. And to not get a lot 
it's it can be really frustrating, really make you want to throw on the towel sometimes. But well, they they are spirits. They're not just. They're not it, just. It's not a show. wind up I mean, toy. Yeah, they're not <laughs> just gonna put on a show for you. Yeah, maybe yep. some nights they're like, "Fuck you, I don't want to do this shit." Yeah, anymore. and I don't blame them. <laughs> they have to harness all of the energy that they can get yeah. into like literally one word. Sometimes it takes and, a lot. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. So from Cinema Nine One One, we have. Even as a paranormal investigator, have you ever experienced something that has truly shaken you? The first, well, I guess not the first, because the first really good EVP that we got was the Creeper one. That I'm sure, again, I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, There was one instance where, at the Stanley Hotel, we were, and speaking of, you know, doing an investigation and not getting a lot of interactment and not a lot of, you know, reading, I have just, you know, even just a little cheap, it was like a $40 recorder from Walmart was a EVP recorder. And that's where I got all of my best stuff on it. My friends and I were sitting and we had it in the middle of just the three of us. And we were there for a couple hours without anything, but reviewing it later and, you know, to debunk when you're doing, you know, EVP when something, if you know, something outside just makes a noise, like I think something outside made a noise, you know, just to be so clear on anything that you might pick up. And we got the clearest voice saying, holy cow, which we know it was one of us because none of us said, you know, oh, I just whispered that and two, nobody says holy cow anymore because it was like 2010. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but might be over here giving uh, embarrassed Was eyeballs. it you? Was it you that said that? I secretly <laughs> said that. But um, I had, we, Telepathic. After, after, after we'd gotten that, we went to um, uh, the late Mark and Debbie Constantino who were EVP recording and experts, just they're just the top of their field and phenomenal on it. And we kind of expected them to be like, oh, that's good. And they both like listened to her and they were both like, holy shit, you know? And they didn't say holy cow. They didn't say holy cow. No. Damn it. And if they'd said holy cow, I'd be like, you assholes, it was you. <laughs> it was you the whole time screwing with us. No, but they, once we gave it to them, they were like, this is amazing. We we're kind of like, oh God, this is the room I have to sleep in. But, but I mean, the clearest, it was, it was literally like, we paused it. We're like, this was none of us. This was none of us, right? Mm-hmm. None of us said that. We're like, None of us say holy cow, you know? And there was no, like, nothing that, nothing physical that would trigger any of us to kind of give that as a response. And in just reviewing it later, that and speaking of EVPs, uh, my friend Morgan in her house, this was actually after one of the events. She lives in Tiffin, Ohio. We were just goofing around with it. And we were playing it back on her computer later. And this low voice, like this, it was like chanting. It was, it was, it was, it was, it had to have been some sort of demonic thing, but she never had any sort of like experience in her home. We were mm-hmm. just goofing around with it, but there was no explanation for it. This low voice, like this monotone, it was maybe like seven seconds of it, but it was like this chanting. That's and a we decent couldn't... chunk, seven seconds. Yeah. It's longer than and you it think. Was, and we were talking over it, you know, and mm-hmm. like it was beneath it. And it was, I mean, some other language that we like couldn't, but that was the only thing that we've gotten from huh. there. And I mean, even just the seven, and then the only thing, the only evidence that we collected, but I mean, just something small like that was just like, we're, we're like 15. And we're like, okay, well, we're going to sleep downstairs tonight. I don't want to. And she moved out the next day, right? <laughs> no, no, she sure didn't. That nut ass bitch was like, yeah, let's keep doing this. I'm like, yeah, maybe we'll take a break. <laughs> She's like, mom, sorry, I'm emancipating myself. Bye. I can't live here anymore. Her mom is huge in the paranormal too. Or her mom, I mean, her mom is like a Christian. She's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't even want to listen to her. Like, are you, are you sure, Annette? Because you might think differently after you hear it. She, I guess she, if you didn't really have any experiences in the house, though, you wouldn't want to put that idea in your own mind and freak yourself out in your own home. Yeah. I mean, I would get, you know, like, you know, like I heard a disembodied knock or, you know, somebody, something breathed on me, but like this weird chanting to this day sticks out. It was just one of the most bizarre, like 
you could just, it goes to show you like that there can be no activity anywhere mm-hmm. and the right thing comes up, you know, the right opportunity, the right energy can really kind of screw you up. See, I, I experience stuff all the time and he doesn't. I was home alone here one day and the boys, I think were at my parents and you were off at work and I heard I was upstairs in our bedroom. It's not a big place. You've seen it. And I hear clear as day. It sounds like the boys bedroom door slams shut. And I'm like, that's a little weird. I wonder if one of the cats stuck themselves in the room. And I go and I look and the door is wide open. But that is a, a sound. It didn't sound like a neighbor. You know the sound of a neighbor. It's always it's muffled. muffled. Yeah. This was clearly from within and on the same floor. And it was a door shutting hard. You can feel that too, you know, like mm-hmm. in the floor and stuff. And I think it has to do with a lot of a sensitivity, not necessarily like people that believe because obviously... You wouldn't do this podcast if you didn't believe in paranormal stuff. But I think a lot of it has, you know, certain sensitivity of people. I think that's just something that you're born with. Yeah. You know? And then I think it was a few days later, we were staining a table outside. I don't know if you remember this, but I was bending down to sand. Oh, you felt like you And did. I thought he had walked around. I wasn't paying any attention. I was paying attention to what I was standing on the table. And I thought he had walked around behind me and grabbed my butt because it seriously felt like a full-on hand just grab and shake my butt cheek. <laughs> and I was like, what are you? And I look up and he's still standing in front of me. I'm like, this isn't right. <laughs> you got long arms, right? <laughs> I even called it out right then and there because it was, I mean, that was a solid feeling. You know that feeling when something grabs your butt. Yeah. Yep. It Absolutely. wasn't just kind of, it wasn't like a brush. It was somebody getting yeah. in there and yep. getting some fatty butt buttocks tissue the right energy <laughs> the right atmosphere for it and they'll they'll grab a chunk of ass if they can i don't blame them apparently staining my table in broad daylight really did right something to it. they're like yeah it really stirred up some old feelings you're like a hard-working woman yeah. <laughs> you stain that wood <laughs> i love the way you stroke that wood i love it <laughs> shit i can't I gotta give myself the giggles. <laughs> <laughs> no, bring it back. Fuck. It's too hot in here. I'm giving myself the giggles. I have one more question for you. Hit me. I'm trying not to laugh. Oh, God. From the Conjecturing Podcast. Is there any evidence to back up all I have learned from the show Supernatural involving spirits not liking iron or salt? Because I sleep with both under my bed. <laughs> <laughs> um... Not evidence personally that I have ever experienced. I mean, that might have to do with the spirit. I have friends who don't like salt, and I can't imagine that, like, after they die, they probably don't take a liking to salt, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And iron, I mean, does anybody really like iron? <laughs> I really can't. I really can't. I don't want to lie to you, friend, but I can't really prove any of that. <laughs> I have seen... Um, I've I know snails don't like salt. Yeah. <laughs> slugs. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Slugs. Nope. <laughs> Through all the work that we've done, I have seen a few times where they talk about putting down salt circles. I've never seen anything about iron. Specifically when we were doing, I think, our voodoo or th- anything that was related to it, there were ish- there were things about salt. Yeah, I've seen it in um, exorcisms and stuff. A lot mm-hmm. of de- mostly demonic nature is is the salt circles and the, the salt, you know. I don't want to say like the pentagrams, but you see, they know they do the shapes and stuff on the ground. I'm supposed to, um, if you sleep with it under your bed, you don't have slugs, which is a good thing. I think <laughs> Who wants a slug, Who wants bed? A slug in their bed. I can't say anything about demons. Though. Who has ever had a slug in their bed? Who has that problem? Not this guy. Like- <laughs> Jesus. Apparently not. Not this guy. 
Conjecturing you're set for life. No <laughs> slugs in your bed. It's a slug-free zone. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, would you... Uh, you you want to get back into investigation, right? Oh, I'd love to, yeah. It's hard with everything being closed, That's you true. know? You want to come investigate our place? Yeah, absolutely. We've... No. Okay, never mind. Cordially <laughs> named our, our ghost, Elizabeth. That's a horrifying name. Well, okay, so <laughs> Elizabeth ghosts never have any good stories. No, don't say that. Them. No. It's not. You know. You know I'm not. I'm just saying. This old guy would come to our door and we'd open it up and he goes, Elizabeth here. I'm like, there's no Elizabeth here. We've been here for two That's years. Terrifying. Oh. Well, I was supposed to come check on Elizabeth and we're like, there's no fucking Elizabeth here. It's horrifying. <laughs> was that Elizabeth? Is he Elizabeth? I don't know. That's terrifying. So we think maybe our, maybe Elizabeth died here and yeah. she's our ghost. That's horrifying. Just pure Elizabeth. conjecture. Such a bad name. Such a, like, a, a Victorian era ghost name. Guess we're shitting on that name for our baby in the future then. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> At least then when the guy comes back and be like, Elizabeth here, you can be like, yeah, actually. <laughs> Here's the baby. Here oh, she she's much smaller than I remember. <laughs> God, you shrunk, Elizabeth. <laughs> You've aged so well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's all we have for our questions, unless you have any. No? I have a fun fact for us today. I'm just sticking with one today, and this comes to us from Lindsay over at Ye Old Crime Podcast, because I fucking love Lindsay and she cracks me the fuck up. She says, A butt is a unit of liquid equivalent to the volume of two hogsheads, because, you know, everybody measures Sorry? liquid in volumes of hogshead. And a buttload of wine is around 400 and... 490 liters, and I just was thinking, I have definitely consumed a buttload of wine in my life. It's so nice to be able to say a buttload and, like, be able to back it up with science (laughs) now. It's a legitimate unit of measurement, a buttload. Like, fuck ton or shit ton. (laughs) At least buttload. Now I know. Now I'm going to have to look up if there actually is a fuck ton unit of measurement. There's got to be. That would be hilarious. (laughs) We might have to find that for our next (laughs) one. Thank you for that one, ye old crime podcast. We've had our drinks. I'm getting drunk. We're on our way to being drunk. Now it's time for the... Data! Don't. Does it creep anybody else out? What? That. The data. That. Sounds like the red rum kid. <laughs> I told I told little D that he should come home because you know how he does his little guy, his finger? I told him he should say, red rum. That's red rum. Before when, they were, when we were eating tacos. The little guy? I was like, that's fucked up, team. Don't do that. <laughs> That's why he was like, do you want to play? I'm like, no, I don't want to play. <laughs> it's messed up. I told him to tell you that little D isn't here anymore. It's Tony. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, of course, he didn't, didn't get follow it. Through but he, he was practicing it in the backseat of the car on the way over to my parents. So I'm wondering if he did it at my parents' place. <laughs> Should be fucking hysterical. I'm like, what is wrong with you? So you said... That one of your favorite experiences investigating was the Stanley Hotel. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did some research on. And this is a little different for us. So hopefully this comes out all right. Because we basically split one location to research and discuss. I am going to give you the history of the location. Drink break first. Three empty cups. Okay. Okay. So we're back from the drink break. I'm going to be covering <clears throat> the history. You're going to be covering... Joel's going to be covering the discussing of the movie, like the inspiration for The Shining, and uh, the hauntings, some of the reported hauntings there. And then we're going to get into your story about the Stanley Hotel. 
I really pulled this mostly from two websites. I pulled primarily from the Stanley Hotel website and Wikipedia because Wikipedia really had a lot of information on this. So I thought it looked like a decent source to trust this time. So it's obviously a pretty famous hotel and it's really well known from Stephen King's The Shining. Uh, well, wasn't in The Shining, but it inspired The Shining. Currently, the hotel has 140 rooms, and it's over 14,000 square feet. It's composed of a total of 11 buildings, including the main hotel, concert hall, a carriage house, a bed and breakfast that was originally Stanley Manor, and a whole bunch of other buildings. So, it's quite a big place. I can. Is it that big? And like, you get there, it's yeah. just the whole complex. The isn't main it? building is like when you see that up on the hill. That's like the terrifying, eerie part of it. But the concert hall is is huge. It's gorgeous, and I've stayed in the manor too. Um, not just in the main building. It's the, all it's all gorgeous. It's all old. The manor is basically like a miniature replica of the main hotel, yeah, isn't it? Is. <laughs> is it really well kept? Yeah. Hmm? Yep. They uh, kept the. Kind of the older decor with it. There's a room that's all mirrors for some reason. It's Ooh, really that's weird. not crazy. We used to call it Zach Baggins' room just because he's so good for himself. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I guarantee he does not listen to this podcast. There's a he, he had a book and there's a chapter about like all of the crazy fans and I haven't read it because I know that I'm in that chapter. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just because of all of the times that you know I've been in Ohio and then I've been in Colorado and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? He's <laughs> you like, I'm no here, hour. you weirdo. <laughs> Not everything's about you, Zach. Mm. Don't tell him that. <laughs> no, he wouldn't know it, would he? So the hotel was built in Estes Valley in Colorado, and the land was once home to two local tribes, the Ute. Lindsay, ye old crime. It's called the Ute tribe. And the Arapahoe, they just did a story about the Colorado cannibal. I can't remember what his name is. And she she kept saying, like, Uti or Ute tribe. No, it's the Ute tribe. I know you're listening. From shade. <laughs> She's like, somebody's going to correct me on this. And I was like, bitch, it's going to be me. <laughs> I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> as soon as she was saying it, I was like, I'm going to have to figure out how exactly to pronounce this. In the early 1870s, Wyndham Thomas Wyndham Quinn, and yes, that's his real fucking name because parents suck. Mm-hmm. Was the fourth Earl of Dun- Dunraven, which is Ireland, for those of you who don't know, because I had to look it up. I was like, Dunraven. Harry sounds, Potter? Sounds British. <laughs> no, it's not British. It's Irish. Um, he came to the valley, and he really fell in love with the area, especially the hunting. So his idea was to kind of... He built this nice little hotel there. He acquired between six and 15,000 acres. He says 15,000 there are official reports of six, so he basically conned Between his way. Between 6,000 and 15,000 or six and 15,000? Because that's like a really broad spectrum. 6,000 and okay. 15,000. So his, <laughs> okay. the official records show that he had legally purchased 6,000. He's like, I have 15,000 acres. So it's something that's pretty shady, but it, it was over a period of two years. And, yeah. He was some lord that was coming in from Ireland. Like, I'm so fancy. Give me all your land. <laughs> So he eventually built the area's first resort. It was known as the Estes Park Hotel, and that was built on the site, and it opened for business in 1877, but it burned down in 1911. At least that was the report that I found. I couldn't find, because I know that there was a fire at the Stanley Hotel in 1911 also, but I didn't see that the Stanley Hotel was built over 
the Estes Park Hotel? Because the Stanley opened before this thing burned down. I had heard, yeah, that it didn't entirely burn down, but who the hell knows anymore? Well, the Stanley <laughs> didn't, but this hotel reportedly did, so I don't know if it was, like, nearby. And or, like, maybe another, maybe another building on the property of if, the 11 buildings that make it up. Yeah, well, it's pretty remote area, so if yeah. they're both burning around the same time, they're probably like, Stanley's lining our pockets. So they went and took care of that place, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, fuck the other one. <laughs> And he Sorry, just kind of, like, lorded his way over yep. to their property. <laughs> That's okay. He got really bored of the area, and he pieced out by, like, the mid-1880s and never came back. He owned the land and the hotel, but... So he probably didn't even realize his damn hotel burned down. <laughs> when you're that rich, you know, oh, my other hotel burned down. <laughs> Collect the insurance and run. <clears throat> In 1903, inventor Freeland Oscar Stanley, uh, he was really sick and he was underweight. He went to the resort to seek respite from tuberculosis, a.k.a. consumption, because he'd been dealing with it for a while and it had really come back and it was making him very sick and it was really threatening his life. So he went there to treat it. It was pretty common for people to go out west, go down south where the air was, I think, drier. It's a lot deal. thinner in the elevation up there. I can't imagine going to deal with tuberculosis there. Now I go up a flight of stairs there and I'm like wheezing, yeah. <laughs> dry heaving. <laughs> hot in here, man. We have to turn off our AC every time we do this because it's so fucking loud in the background and we sit here and we cook the whole damn time. So this is torture for you guys. We love you listeners. Okay, yeah, so he went to get treatment. He and his <clears throat> wife also really fell in love with the beauty of the area. Um, and in 1907 they decided that they're going to build a resort there in Colorado known as the Hotel Stanley aka the Stanley Hotel. But they're also fancy pants from back out east and they're like this simply won't do it is too rugged we love it it's so beautiful just the way it is but we're going to go and change it and make it better because that's what rich people do hashtag white people shit yeah right (laughs) (laughs) so they basically wanted to build something that reminded them of being back home in the east which you know what if you fucking love colorado and you think it's so great why are you building something that reminds you of the place that you left (laughs) Please explain that one to me. Because they're rich and they can. I'm like, I need my house to look like the best thing back home, but I want to go outside and get this lovely fresh but air I, and I kill don't some go things. To the home. <laughs> rich people. It's not a problem I suffer from. <laughs> so the land that they built the hotel on was officially purchased from Lord Dunraven in 1908. And the hotel opened to visitors on July 4th of 1909. It's a very patriotic opening. I wonder if they had fireworks. Do you think they did fireworks? I mean, they've been celebrating. Well, they probably. They probably weren't, you know, as, like, safe and cool as the ones that we have now. But it's probably why the first one burned down. <laughs> <laughs> what Maybe that's how they burned down the other hotel. Like, get, get this fucking competition out of here. Aim that shit that way. <laughs> Their fireworks back then were just bombs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so pretty. fireworks. Look at all the flying limbs. It was just C4. <laughs> Originally, the the main hotel only had 48 rooms, but it had all of the best stuff because they were super rich and fancy. So it had electricity. It had in-suite bathrooms because, you know, nobody wants to share a bathroom with locals, especially an outhouse. God forbid you have to go share an outhouse with Bubba up the hill. I can't like, <laughs> the moonshiners up the, up the mountain a little bit. Like the diet that they're eating versus the diet oh that God. the rich, richy people are eating. That I, outhouses would not be a good situation there. 
They had telephones and a staff of uniform service, service, servants, service, servants. They had a staff of uniform somethings, people. That's a good word for it. People. <laughs> Thank Workers you. For the English there. <laughs> and a fleet of vehicles for guests to use, which is just so nice. Wouldn't that be nice if you went to a hotel and they're like, here, take this car. They have a, at the Stanley, a Stanley Steamer giant vehicle on display. I can't hear Stanley Steamer without thinking like the Stanley dirty, Steamer makes the, a carpet cleaner. That's the original no, one. No, no, no. It's the OG I, Stanley Steamer. Uh, there's a, oh no, it's the Cleveland steamer. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, oh no, <laughs> Emily. <laughs> oh no. Sorry, Stanley. <laughs> Turning in his grave now. <laughs> Shit, no, I got that wrong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> really shitting on his legacy. <laughs> Too fucking funny. I was gonna say there's worse things you could be associated with, which was like really not. There's <laughs> really not. Uh, sounds way too German. He's licking the fucking butter knife again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stanley. Okay, so let's bring it back. Rest in peace. <laughs> All right. Get Stanley Steamers to go clean that up. <laughs> So it also had a concert hall that contained a Steinway grand piano. I think that's it's, what his... Uh, I believe it might not be the original one, but they still have a Steinway. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised, because that's what his wife is reported to still play to this day, right? Yep. She loved playing. Oh, yeah, I played it. <clears throat> Lucky? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Steinways, too, and especially. And the whole atmosphere. I bet the way oh. that echoes. Oh, my God, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Once in a long time. I don't I probably wasn't allowed to, but I did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me advocating for people to go play it. That, that's what you do when you're 14. You're like, yeah. fuck the rules, man. Yeah. Waiting for this moment my whole life. Yeah. 14 years. 14, long time. 14 years of piano lessons finally paid off. <laughs> you're playing like, since I'm you came sure out of the I played like a Green Day song too. Nothing even like, no, I could have played like Beethoven. No, I played like fucking Viva La Gloria or something. <laughs> They had bowling, golf, horseback riding, which you would like. Mm-hmm. I've uh, horseback ridden in the Rockies before. A couple times, actually. I feel like it's almost required for you to have horseback riding in the fucking mountains. Like, oh, you need absolutely. to have that as a sport. Yeah. Nobody's going to walk it. Yeah. <laughs> they had concerts, of course, fancy dinners, and billiards, because as we've said, they were rich. And that's a billiard. Billiards. It's like, that's... That's such a richy thing to do. Uh, it is. It's do you think it was cool. the one with the, like the all the red balls and the one white, the old school billiards before they had? They probably the were rich enough to have multicolored balls. <laughs> how the fuck do you play that game? I want to know. If all the balls are the same color, how do you know what's going on? Were they numbered? I don't know. No, they're just oh. all red balls. <laughs> There's no pockets. Either. Stripes and solids. Red balls no and no pockets? pockets. Red balls and no pockets is a problem. Like you need to go get shit checked out. I never made it into the pockets anyway. I always hit it too hard and it bounced over the edge of the table and like cracked on the floor. So I, I could probably do it. I'd probably be pretty good at that. <laughs> just go start breaking up the Stanley Hotel here. Chuck them. Just chuck them. things. They're rich enough. They can afford it. To get the guests to the hotel and to power it, Freeland <clears throat> invented special cars that could handle the train and he built a power plant to supply power to the hotel and to the town. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, what right. A nice guy. Money, money. 
The manor addition to the hotel, which we talked about earlier, um, was formerly known as the Stanley Manor. It was completed in 1910 as a scaled-down version of the original. I think it was like a two-thirds version, so it wasn't really that scaled down. Two-thirds is almost the same size. It's, it's, when you look at it from the outside, it looks a lot smaller. It's it's like, I think it, the way that it was, it sits like at an angle beside it. So Because mm-hmm. I remember I got a room there, and that's what I heard was like the scaled-down version. I was like, this looks like a shed. But when you go inside, it, it's... Wild. It is really what? a small version of it. Why would you want to make a small, exact copy? Because you can afford to. It's just like, <laughs> why not do something different with that space? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> Sorry, Freeland. I'm ragging on your decoration choices here. <laughs> then in 1911, there was a, a gas explosion on the site. And this was... Uh, so the power plant couldn't supply quite enough power. To the hotel. It was just drawing too much electricity. So they ended up having to install some gas lighting in June of 1911. The day after they finish installing everything, whoops, an explosion occurs that injures at least one person, though there were papers that said as many as eight, and it damaged the building. And so what happened was a chambermaid, a female chambermaid, well, yeah, because there aren't any male chambermaids. <laughs> Chambermater. <laughs> was it you that was having trouble with maiden names? You thought dudes had maiden names? What? Yeah, yeah. Insulted that you would ask him that. <laughs> what? Me? Yes, it was on one of our episodes. You were like, when? his maiden name. I can't remember which episode. but <laughs> <laughs> So it was a chambermaid, a female chambermaid, mind you. Supposed to be a male. <laughs> she got up there and she was going to light the lamps. And there was some kind of problem and it blew up created this biz- big explosion and it, it um what did it do what did it do where was i at it injured at least one chambermaid thank you <laughs> <laughs> i mean so that explosion happened yeah and yeah it, yeah and it injured and she got hurt yeah because she was she i it sounds like insurance fraud is what it sounds like so she was the at least one person she, so we know for sure that the yeah. person that blew up was the one that was at least injured <laughs> she broke both her ankles, which <laughs> would be fucking no suck. Well, she was probably up on a ladder. In the way it blew, she it didn't burn her face or anything, but both her ankles were shattered. Yep, bust, busted. Her. There were reports that she was thrown out of a window, and but I think if you I read that it blew through the floor and she fell. Yeah, there were reports of that too. But from what, doing my research, it was a lot of the stuff out east was saying that it was this huge explosion that blew chunks out of the building and all this damage and all these people were hurt. But if you looked at the local newspapers, they were like, this one chick, she broke her ankles and there was some damage to the building. Like, it wasn't, it was bad enough that they, it, I think it damaged the dining room. It makes sense that they, locally they would be like, it's not that big of a deal, we're fine, come mm-hmm. back. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense that they would. So, it damaged the dining room pretty badly. They couldn't use the dining room for a while, but they were still able to maintain operation. So they were like, sorry, sucks you broke your ankles. And I did hear rumors that she continued to work there throughout the rest of her life, even though I think she couldn't walk. Well, I mean, with <laughs> maybe they just chopped it off and called her Stumpy, and that was her nickname. Stumpy's that- one of the ghosts that haunts the manor. <laughs> you hear the stumping around the hallway. Here comes old Stumpy. I hear someone knocking. No, that's just Stumpy. That's just Stumpy walking. It's not, it's not one peg leg, it's two. Oh my god. 
That was the only accident that I could find that was recorded at the hotel. Like, I couldn't find any deaths. Although, I assume that there probably were at least a few because it was used as um, a tuber- tuberculosis sanatorium mm-hmm. for a while. So, I, I would assume that there were probably some people that came that could not be saved even by the fresh air. So, there probably were more deaths, but I couldn't find any records of them. So, it really doesn't have a dark history. Aside from going in and telling the Native Americans to get the fuck off the land. Which, you know, that's America in general, so yeah. that would basically curse our whole country. Any, like, Poltergeist movie or something <clears throat> like that is stirs up a lot of bad energies, it is. You should listen to our last episode all about Poltergeist and the movie The Exorcist, see? You gotta tune in. I will tune in. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to now. I'm not watching, I'm not listening <laughs> to this one that I'm in, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you can listen to it. I don't want to listen to my, my own voice. <laughs> it's, it's weird the first time, yeah. <laughs> He's like, this episode will be uploaded next week. I'm like, cool, I'm not listening to it. <laughs> You're going to have to, just so you can laugh. I will. See, look at the shit-eating grin that Carpetato has on his face the whole damn time. <laughs> He's enjoying He's it. He's still laughing about Chambermaid. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm still P2. <laughs> oh, Spuddy. <laughs> oh, Spuddy. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that. That's good. <laughs> In the 1920s, <clears throat> Freeland sold, rebought, and then resold the hotel. I guess it's like he sold it, and it just didn't go well. So he's like, no, 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 I'll take it back. And then immediately goes, fuck this shit. Yeah, I don't want it anymore. And resells it. But it eventually um, left his hands for the last time in 1930. And then Freeland and his wife died, and they were at ripe old ages. So it was about 10 years later. I think he died not too, like, maybe a year after his wife. He was 91, I think, when he died. That's really old. He was old. Yeah, so he really definitely beat tuberculosis being out there. Although Freeland had wanted to make the resort a year-round destination, the hotel was closed every winter until 1983. So there's that that piece that ends up in The Shining. Yeah. That's part of Stephen King's thing, is that it was closed in winter, and it really was. That's a horrifying thought. I mean, a whole whole hotel like that shutting down for winter, dark and like a isolated, terrifying <laughs> place like that up in the mountain to close down for an entire winter. Well, and the the movie is that somebody's staying there, Jack Nicholson's character, Jack, what's the name? Jack, I can't remember the last name. In the movie. Nicholson? Haha, <laughs> no, his character in the movie. <laughs> Torrance, Jack Torrance. So Jack Torrance's character is supposed to be there to maintain it. So there would have had to have been somebody there to maintain it yeah. throughout the season, and that ma- that makes With sense. With their family, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild. So that did, I mean, they did close down. Uh, the hotel might not have even made it to 1983 when it became open year-round if it wasn't for Stephen King, because the hotel was really struggling financially in the 1970s until King stayed and wrote his book, The Shining, based on his, inspired by his stay there. Not really based on it, but... And then the last little thing I have is just a few of the famous guests that have stayed there. And then we can go over to some history. Or some history. I did the history. <laughs> go over to some hauntings and shit. How's that one? <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah. So they did have some famous guests. They had the unsinkable Molly Brown. Do you know who unsinkable Molly Brown is? Titanic. <laughs> so the unsinkable Molly Brown was a very... She was a wealthy woman. Um, very outspoken. She didn't go down with the Titanic. She gets out and she's like, taking over the whole fucking world. She stayed there. Is that how she got her name? Unsinkable? 
Mm-hmm. You think that if she died, they'd call her sinkable Molly Brown? <laughs> I think they'd just call her Molly. <laughs> just a fleeting thought. Oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Molly. If she had the nickname going into that, <laughs> maybe. Just the sinkable <laughs> Molly Brown. <clears throat> Kathy Bates! That's right, it was played by Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates is phenomenal. She was also in Mercy. Wasn't it Mercy? Misery. That's what it was. Misery. Another Stephen King film. So just a little link for you there. Kathy Bates played the unsinkable Molly Brown, who stayed at the Stanley Hotel, but Kathy Bates played a character in Misery. Another Stephen King. Ha <laughs> ha, links for you. It's a web. Nobody else is impressed but me. John Philip Sousa? It's not often how it goes. Shut the fuck up. I was impressed. <sighs> I'm making connections. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else is making this shit. I am. Teddy Roosevelt. This one was my favorite, personally. Dumb and Dumber cast and crew. Like, the whole cast and crew stayed up at the Stanley Hotel. Everybody. I didn't... I got to investigate the room that Jim Carrey was in. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing haunted happened there. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you might have scared them all away. <laughs> just intimidated them away. Yeah. <laughs> Emperor Ak- Akihito of Japan. I probably butchered that. I apologize. So, the Emperor of Japan. And, of course, Stephen King. So, that's our... Wait. History. Stephen King stayed here? Yeah. Did you hear that? What? I heard he wrote a book on it. No. No, 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 no. He didn't write a book on it. He wrote a book. There's Inspired a, They have a TV it. channel, um, a TV station there that plays The Shining on repeat indefinitely. And <laughs> literally, oh I know. And that's actually one of the experiences that happened to me there was in my room. It was the second time I'd gone there. I had it on and fell asleep to it and woke up at like, you know, two or three, whatever, and turned it off and it turned back on and I turned it back. I thought like, oh, maybe I fucking hit the remote wrong. And it turned back on. So I, like, I sat up and I turned it off and I sat there and I, like, waited and it turned back on, but it was just static. It wasn't the, the, the shining anymore. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll just keep it on tonight. <laughs> Did you have a roommate that you turned to and looked no. and said, they're here? <laughs> it was with Morgan. I was like, hey, I'm here. Can I stay here tonight? <laughs> so what do you have for us, baby? A drink break. A drink break? Elevator music? Sure. Whatever you desire. So, does it intimidate you having Car Potato sitting there staring at you the whole time you talk? No, honestly, I'm a little flattered. <laughs> I'm kind of flustered. She's quite happy. I didn't put makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wasn't expecting. I don't think Car Potato minds going to put, a, put on makeup either. <laughs> Car Potato is <laughs> me after driving in the car all day. <laughs> Car Potato. <laughs> so, now that we have come back from our <clears throat> elevator music break, you have some stories for us? Was I supposed to? Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> it's really nice. It's been fun. I'll see myself out. Can I take this drink? I'll return the glass later. I'll put it in one I'll of the boys with cups. The, I'll send the boys with the cup later. So I got a little bit of Stephen King's experience and then the hauntings that had happened at the hotel. So in 1974, like you had said before, after many years of unsuccessful operation, Stephen King visited the Stanley Hotel. It almost instantly became the inspiration for his book, The Shining, which was released in 1977. And a side note, the Pet Cemetery on the property became the inspiration for, get this, 
Pet Cemetery. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The Pet Cemetery inspired Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they spelled that with it? a C, though, at the actual Pet Cemetery. Isn't his spelled with an S? Yeah, I think so. Okay. See? Differences. <laughs> Spiced. That's up. pretty cool, though. He got inspired. Inspired? He got inspired for two. He got inspiration for two books. I don't do English when I drink. Got inspired for two. And that kind of makes sense, I think. Inspiration. I think you're all right. <laughs> we'll pretend. It sounds intelligent. He's full of ideas, isn't he? <laughs> so King considers himself a believer of the unusual encounters and otherworldly presences that were brought on by being in the hotel. A lot of the aspects differ from the Stanley Hotel and what King created. The first being the name of the hotel in which the events take place. In real life, obviously it's the Stanley Hotel. Well, King writes a horrific tale at the Overlook. It's still in... Colorado, though. Right. It took place in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. The, hot- the hotel in which the movie was filmed is known as the Timberline Lodge, which is in Oregon. The interior inspiration came mostly from the Awani Hotel, which was in Yo- Yosemite National Park. The Stanley Hotel was located in Estes, Colorado. Sidewinder, Colorado is the fictional town in which the Overlook Hotel was. Is it Estes or Estes? It's Estes. Because it, it kind of sounds like testes. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> testes, Colorado. <laughs> one of my favorite words of all time. They go balls to the wall out there. <laughs> Dicks out at Estes Park, Colorado. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. <laughs> Snorting every time, man. <laughs> You're making me laugh too hard here, woman. I didn't say Testy's Park. <laughs> Testy's Park? That's the chart. Is Estes Park? Testy's Park. Testy's Park. <clears throat> that sounds like a Japanese thing. Have you ever seen about the penis park in Japan? No. Oh, sounds great. Apparently we have one in America, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> You've never seen the penis park in Japan? Nope. They just have giant sculptures of penises all over. People just walk around taking pictures with dicks. It's art. Art's beautiful. But it's a whole big ass Testies. park just full of Testies dicks. Testy's beautiful. Testy's Park in Colorado is very beautiful too. It is. There's lots of elk there. I don't know. I've never been. Next vacation. So King adds in the front of the book that some of the most beautiful resort hotels in the world are located in Colorado, but the hotel in these pages is based on none of them. The Overlook and the people associated with it exist wholly in the author's imagination. So everything that he wrote was pretty much made up. You holding it together over here? Yeah. You just yeah, thinking about balls? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joel. It's not you, Joel. It's not you. <laughs> In 2015, the open area in front of the hotel, which was originally a driveway for the Stanleys and a promenade for guests to enjoy mountain views, was replaced with a hedge maze. This non-historic feature was added to evoke the hotel's connection to The Shining. Although a hedge maze features prominently in Stanley Kubrick's Kubrick mm-hmm. film, no such feature appears in King's novel. The lawn on the Overlook Hotel, as King imagined it, was adorned with animals and it was set and it set the way for shooting of Stephen King's The Shining, which he remade because he didn't like yeah. the original. Didn't they make a series out of it too? A TV series, yeah. Yeah. Which he also I think played a part 
he helped with that one. I think they had him as a writer for the script for, for the TV series. Oh. So historically, neither existed at the Stanley. The design was the result of a competition chosen from amongst 300 entrants across the globe. Did Stephen King get to choose? I don't know. That would have been cool. He was like, this is the most realistic to what I pictured. He didn't picture a maze. In the book? Yeah. I've never read the book, so I can't tell. I don't know. You must still be thinking about testes, because I just said that. <laughs> I am. I am still thinking about testes. <laughs> We're stuck on the balls. Sorry. Mm. That would be an awkward position to be stuck on somebody's balls. <laughs> sorry, I'm stuck on the balls. <laughs> you go to the hospital with that. What's going on here? I don't know. I got super glued to the balls. It all started uh, with a podcast about The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> then we got stuck on the balls. I got downhill from there. <laughs> Stephen and his wife Tabitha spent a night a night in room 217, which was reportedly haunted while they were on vacation. No, it wasn't just haunted while they were on vacation. <laughs> but they when, stayed there while they were on right, vacation. Right, right, right. When they arrived at the hotel, they realized that they were the only guests staying overnight as they were getting ready to shut down for winter. And they were saying they they had eaten in the dining hall, and they remember the long, empty corridors, which just echoed the silence. So where he got the inspiration for the book, he recounted having a dream one night while staying there, saying, I dreamt of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, within an inch of falling out of the bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in a chair, looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. What do you think Freud would think about that dream? Chief <laughs> woke, woke up with a tremendous jerk, and then had the bones for the book. All while he's staying All in Testy's Park. park. <laughs> I think we've been taking a look, a look at this from the wrong angle. <laughs> it's all about penises. It's all about penises. We cracked the Everything's about penises. Let's be real here. <laughs> Ooh, thunder. Do you hear that? Set in the mood. Mm. You don't like thunder? No, I hate tornadoes. <laughs> well, you're an eerie thing, probably. I, know. <laughs> I hate storms. <laughs> Long before Stephen King's stay in the hotel, the Stanley gained its reputation as a paranormal hell house. After hell house? I haven't hell heard house. that term used to describe it before. That's really good. After Freeland Oscar Stanley's passing in 1940, his apparition has been seen many times by guests throughout the hotel. What many believe to be Flora Stanley, who was a pianist, has often been heard playing with the ivories in the music room. See, there we go Tingling back to the, the penis again. <laughs> pianist. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I asked for a 12-inch pianist. Laura Stanley tickling the ivories. <laughs> I played that penis piano. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm just going to name this episode Penises. That's all it's about. Nobody knows. Just to draw them in. So it was 1911, right? Oh, With you're the still gas talking? <laughs> That's cool. I'll leave. No, no, no. Tell us. Tell us. 1911. Microphone. 1911 was the gas leak. Yep. Uh-huh. Which led to an explosion in room 217. The shockwave destroyed the second floor above the main dining hall 
And even though you said you nobody reported her name, who it was? No, she. It was reported as like eight different names. That's why I didn't know we called her it. Uh, Stubbs or something. But wait, wait till you see what her name is. Elizabeth. <laughs> You're weird, guys. That's weird. Elizabeth Stubbs. <laughs> Elizabeth Stubby. <laughs> oh my god, that's a great name. <laughs> So after recovering, um, she returned to her job at the hotel, and she continued to work there as the chambermaid until her passing at the age of 90. Does it say whether she hobbled down the hallways? It does not. Damn. It wasn't that in-depth. I'm sorry. Damn. I think it goes been good saying. to know. <laughs> so not Maybe long- they gave her, like, a scooter or something so she didn't hobble. <laughs> 1920s, 19, 19 scooter. <laughs> A little puttering of the gas engine in the back. <laughs> well, she he, probably stayed away from gas after you know, that. <laughs> Freeland was an inventor, man. Yeah. Of the Cleveland steamer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look it up in the Webster's it Dictionary. The it's a real thing. Carpet cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. I thought your carpets were white. <laughs> they were. They were. <laughs> So not long after, there were guests and staff that started reporting uh, a spectral chambermaid all around the property. It appeared to many to be hovering and walking through doors. <laughs> hovering, not walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most often tied to the spirit of Elizabeth in room 17, some unmarried couples who share a bed in the hotel, pretty much exclusively in room 217, feel an unseen force separating them as they sleep, while single men woke to find their luggage packed and sitting outside their doors. <laughs> oh, she does not like the dudes. She don't fuck around. <laughs> GTFO. Stubbs want none of that. <laughs> she is not subtle. No, she's not. <laughs> she ain't got time for that. The fourth floor, which when originally built by Mr. Stanley, was the quarters for nannies and children, is another hotspot for spiritual activity. Opening and closing closet doors, giggling, and children running are all reported. One of the most famous rooms on the fourth floor is room 428, where a kind cowboy sits in the corner of the of the bedroom, waiting to greet his new friends. That's when we investigated. I, I found no cowboy. I think it's just, it's supposed to be a ritzy, rich hotel. Like, how's a cowboy? Why are you judging a- cowboys? Pretty sure they're not having the cash. Horseback riding was really popular in that park. Maybe he owned a ranch locally and made a lot of money off of it. Nick could stay at the hotel. Maybe. He liked it a rustic and every once in a while he just wanted to go and relax. Yeah, just wanted just a change of environment. It's like I'm tired of my straw bed and all the fleas over here. (laughs) I'm trying to go stay at the Stanley Hotel. (laughs) A friendly cowboy just waiting to greet his friends. (laughs) Partner. Podna. <laughs> the Grand Stairway also seems to be a meeting place for spirits as they make their way throughout the hallways into the central lobby. And they're like, yo, bitches, what you been up to? I scared some dumbass over in room 138. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, what's up? They have a secret handshake. <laughs> It's like a, one of those really complicated ones where, like, smack, smack, elbow bump. <laughs> Couple flips. And- cowboy comes along and does a little <laughs> thing. The cowboy's kick. in there somewhere. <laughs> Tips his hat. Ma'am. 
That place is so chock full of static electricity. Do you think it's because it's on a quartz mountain? I have I have no idea why, but I remember the first couple of times we would take the elevator to go down and up, and it would be dark, and when we'd hit the button, it would zap us so much that you could see the light, so we just started taking the fucking stairs. Well, it's the entire thing. It is so... I don't know if it, like, if it fuels the paranormal energy or if it, like, stems from the paranormal energy or if it's because it's on a quartz mountain. I have no idea, but it It would make sense that that would fuel energy, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, I definitely think it has something to do with that, but it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It just shocked everything. You're like, no, I don't want to touch it I know, it would literally be like, we do it with our feet, (laughs) we have bets, like, rock, paper, scissors in the elevator, like, waiting for it to come up, and whoever lost had to hit the fucking button to go down. (laughs) last little one I have for you. There's a spirit named Billy that roams the halls. He was an autistic boy and is known to play with the hair of guests and is drawn to those who work with or are familiar with those who have uh, the developmental disorder. I wonder when that spirit originates because autism hasn't been recognized for that long, has it? Yeah. Hasn't it? It's what like, if they didn't recognize it as autism? Then that's what I'm kind of wondering. It was like now, if, if we call it autism, but in the past, it might have been in the before times, in the dark ages, <laughs> pre 1982, <laughs> uh, 1943. Okay, silent guest over here coming in with a <laughs> silent fact for <laughs> Thank you for that uh, very haunting. Why are you doing that? Tail. <laughs> don't do that anymore. <laughs> you don't appreciate it's the ghost me. Of Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you appreciate me? All right, so I hear you have some stories about your experiences. That I almost had steamer. <laughs> wow, a Stanley Hotel. I got it's better than I thought. I thought now. the word testes park was coming out of your mouth. Oh my from goodness! The, from the way that you, yeah, um, you didn't I didn't see have any some, ghostly balls, did you? Not that I can remember, but you know, I think you would. After remember hearing that. this, um, the the whole creeper story just has a whole. Did you ever see <laughs> like <laughs> on in the mirror room? Was it just like the shape of two balls? Like mushrooms? The glass. <laughs> <laughs> Do like you a, a ghostly mushroom? <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. That's oh, how no. the ghost lets you know it's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> slaps yeah, my friend told me that they were three scratches, but looking back, it was just just two balls just slapped <laughs> onto my shoulder. <laughs> Some spectral testes. <laughs> spectral balls smacking. I had, uh, I had some experiences there. Um, I guess we'll start with Creeper. So when <laughs> my friends uh, Tiffany, Morgan, and I were staying, we were in my room. And, uh, like I was saying earlier, when you get, you know, when you're investigating a place that is, uh, known to be, you know, like a hotspot for paranormal activity and you're not getting any evidence or anything, it can get really frustrating. And that's, you know, when naturally I would start to provoke. And so, you know, we're laying down and, you know, we're single girls, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, a guy here and you want something like come and get us, come talk to us, you know, do something. And the EVP that we got was the clearest voice. And this is the one I still have. I'll have to find of just a male's voice saying creeper. And none of us said anything after that was, you know, man outside said it or something made a noise. It was just creeper and nobody commented on it because we didn't hear it you know with our own ears so uh listening to that later was really great and then later that night in the same room morgan and i were 
videotaping, just goofing around. Uh, we just had my EMF detector and my EVP recorder set on the bed, but there was a part where I had the camera just panned on the door and uh, the dresser and this black mist just, it shot onto the camera front and then it shot right back out. And I didn't see it on the LCD screen or anything. I didn't comment on it, but we only saw it later when we were reviewing it, Ew, which no. is good because I probably wouldn't have slept in that room if I had seen it, you know, cool. beforehand. <clears throat> um, that and the one where I'd gotten scratched and ran crying Uncle Dave to scratch or ball slapped or something, <laughs> you know, mushroom stamped, whatever it was. It was scary. <laughs> Spectral stamped. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Stanley Hotel. And like I said uh, earlier, that I think that the, the static electricity, I think it has so much to do with it. I think that it feels a lot of the energy there because not a whole lot of like terrible things have happened there, but I don't think that you necessarily need terrible history things to happen there. Mm -hmm. when you have that type of energy and that type of it probably draws stigma things. behind it, you know, stigma. <laughs> stigma behind, you know, like everyone goes there expecting you know, Stephen King's haunting, terrifying things to happen, but with all the energy that happens there, I don't think it takes much, especially with, you know, the poor chambermaid blowing her ankles off or whatever, mm -hmm. stuff like that. I think <laughs> she just blew I think them right out. <laughs> just, just knocked she them right walked off. around with holes in her legs for the rest of her life. <laughs> like, fuck these Stump ankles. Stumpy. <laughs> I think, um, even though, you know, like that reportedly didn't kill her or kill anybody, I, I don't think that you need to necessarily kill something to have a death, to have the type of energy lingering no. around. Well, it's such an old... It's seen so much history, so much reconstruction, and, you know, stuff like that always stirs up paranormal activity, so. Even if you strongly love something, if you're passionate about a place, it doesn't have to be necessarily where you die or that something yeah. horrible happened. It can be something that that spirit's just drawn to. Yeah, It absolutely. means something to them, so they go there. Yeah. Or if it is just an area of high energy, it's built on Quartz Mountain. Mm-hmm. It's particularly the Stanley Hotel. I know that there's a lot of courts underneath that one, and there's the, the idea that that really does create kind of some kind of energy field that would allow them to draw from. So I would imagine that you'd be like, yep, I'm going here. And if there isn't at least, I don't know, how developed is it right next to the Stanley Hotel? Is it pretty quiet out there it's, still? Yeah, it's pretty remote. So they don't really have anybody else to go and bother than yeah. to go to the Stanley Hotel. If you go Hotel. down far enough, there's like a Taco Bell. But <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how haunted the Taco Bell is. <laughs> haunted burritos. Um, the, uh, it's a place, too, of like a lot of um, just emotions. Not necessarily bad emotions, but, you know, emotional experiences for people for the last 200 years, you know, that it's been around. So for I think that it just, that's just, a, just the perfect atmosphere for energy to just lie around and even for a white man. I mean, if you think about before we came oh, along, what that land meant to the people who lived there before. Yeah, that certainly doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a lot of energy there. It lives up to its, uh, all of its, there was a, um, an ovulus actually, Chris had to remind me of that term because I could not think of it. Neither one, the one of us that pops up words, right? Yeah. And, uh, so Dave was using one before and, um, just asking, you know, random questions about it, not getting whole much. And it says fat dies. <laughs> and, and poor Dave was like, okay, cool. But, but I mean, he's like, that's not the first time anyone said that to me, but you know, something is, you know, as, as minuscule like that, when it, when it relates to the environment and the people, not that it relates to the people I'm dealing with. I love you, uncle Dave. I don't mean that, um, but it would, you know, like when it's appropriate for like, you know, it's, that place is undoubtedly one of the most one of the most haunted environments that I've ever been at. But it's it's totally worth a go. Totally worth a go. Do you do you? 
I know I asked you this earlier, but do you feel like maybe that ghost was calling you a creeper because you were like, what, 14, <laughs> I 15? Never, I never, ever, ever thought about it that way. But it's now like that you're saying, nasty I'm like, maybe. kids, what you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe like, maybe it just didn't have the energy to be like, I'm not a fucking creeper, you're 15. <laughs> like, yeah. I just didn't catch the rest of it. I never thought about that, you know? Now I'm going to lie awake at night and be like, am I the creeper? <laughs> I spent the last 10 years talking shit on this ghost. You're going to go back to that hotel someday, go to that room and be like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time talking smack on you and ruining your reputation but i've realized now that i'm the problem <laughs> I'm i am the problem is me <laughs> we really we don't you know the it's, it's hard with evps because we do only catch so, sometimes you catch something that's really crystal clear mm-hmm. But even then, you're probably only catching a couple of words, maybe three. It's all, It's only up to people's interpretation. Yeah. There's only so much you can do with it. And it's so easy to, it's so easy to manipulate everything now. Pictures, audio, video, it's so easy to manipulate stuff. So when you see stuff, you know, like people put on YouTube, like, scary ghost, 13 seconds, real, you know, mm-hmm. like you're like. You know, how how real is it really? But so when it happens to you and you listen to your EVP recording, you get called a creeper and you're like, holy shit. I really, I really want you to come here and check out, ask Elizabeth if she's here or who it is, because I'm not sure Elizabeth is a booty grabber. I just don't know. (laughs) You don't know. Maybe she she might be. I don't know. I just never got that feeling. Well, it's a little bit odd being sexually assaulted by something that you can't see. Because that wasn't like a little smack on the booty. That was a full-on get in there and get that hunk of meat and just check the weight on that. I mean, oh she must have, God. like, she pent up a lot of energy for that. And she yes. knew. She prepared for probably like a good couple months for that. And she yes. saw her opportunity. You doubled over and she was like, this is it. Perfect. This is it. This is my yes. moment. <laughs> like, I'm waiting for that booty all this time. And we were like, Joel? She was like, no, it was me. <laughs> I did it. Not him. Me. <laughs> Why she's slamming doors around here. Yeah, she's she mad. Nobody pays attention to me. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth, we feel you. We oh, hear you. Sorry, Elizabeth. We're here for you. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say you can grab my booty anytime because that's just not true. I don't. I don't really want that. <laughs> so I might. I might have. Do, should we try a listener story? Because I think I have enough time that I can cut out and we can throw in a listener story here. If you want to, I have a listener story. You want to weigh in on this? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I have a listener story. It's coming to us from Abby from Anxious and Afraid, which is a podcast I enjoy. Because all my buddies are on podcasts these days. They're just all so popular. So hey, Abby. Shout out. She says, hey, guys. Abby here from Anxious and Afraid, the pod, in case I didn't say that already. (laughs) Just wanted to start with how awesome I think you guys are and how... That's not right. Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I totally made that I'm part up. I'm just throwing shit in here. Sorry, Abby. <laughs> like, oh shit, wait, I wrote this. <laughs> I write this for me. <laughs> just wanted to start with how awesome I think you guys are, and I'm so glad you reached out because now I have a new podcast to listen to at work. All right, so it's not something I talk about a lot, even though we talk about the paranormal quite a bit on our show. But I've actually experienced my fair share of the paranormal, having lived in more than one haunted location. Or maybe it's me that's just haunted? Which, you know, that that's a thing. Absolutely. She says, I'm not sure. So basically, I have a bunch of small things that have happened to my family and I over the years that when you look back it on it, you're kind of like, huh, I guess 
I live in a haunted house. I don't, I don't know. I won't say all of them because we would be here for a while, but I'll give you a few. So the house I believe to be haunted is the house I lived in throughout my high school years, and it was located in the countryside. Lots of nature, a little isolated. Strange things happened there a lot. On more than one occasion, I would be sitting in the living room and would feel compelled to look at a picture hanging on the wall, and the whole thing would crash to the ground. This happened with different photos in different parts of the room. That's a little weird. That's, I, I, I feel, I hear that sometimes pictures and stuff, uh, decorations and stuff is a really easy way for them to get someone's attention. It's, I mean, if you think about it, it's just kind of loosely up there. It's a lot easier for them to do stuff like that, knock stuff around than it is to it makes speak. Makes you kind of wonder if she's a little sensitive, if she's feeling compelled to look oh, over yeah, in that direction before yeah, it happens. For sure. She says, my little sister had a favorite pair of Nikes and one day one of her shoes went missing. She and my mom tore her room and the house apart looking for it, but finally gave up. Weeks later, my sister walked into her room and the shoe was sitting on her bed. Nobody had put it there, and we still can't explain how it got there or where it had been before. I've heard this many times from a lot of people where things will just disappear. And we've had stuff like that happen where it disappears. Do you remember in our first apartment? No, second apartment. Remember the the poltergeist or whatever that opened the doors and the mimic and all that? And we would have things that would disappear yeah. The mimic. <clears throat> we used to have a mimic. Our freaking... It sounded just like our roommate. Mm-hmm. It was weird. He heard it too, didn't he? Yeah. I thought... I was positive that he I've heard it I've had that happen with a, with a pair of uh, old ballet shoes. Disappear and disappear and then, yeah. Pop up. And, yeah, and you're I like, was, I know this. I looked in this fucking place and there's yeah, no way it was They were on the here. island in the kitchen when I came back up. Wild. That's so crazy. Yeah. We actually had a house fire in that home while the family was gone. It was old, faulty wiring. And part of the home had to be torn down and rebuilt. All of the electrical and plumbing was updated at this time through the entire house. Fun fact, we had to move out while some of the construction was happening and ended up staying in a rented home directly next to the cemetery. Super creepy. (laughs) Very appropriate. Anyway, back to the haunted house. One night at exactly 3 a.m. Witching hour. Witching hour. Or the devil's hour, depending on how you look at it. Our entire family woke up to smoke alarms and thought, great, another fire. That would freak you out. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. Give me a heart attack. I mentioned earlier, uh, construction and stuff on houses really stirs up some shit. stirs stuff up. But when we all emerged out of bedrooms into the kitchen area, there was no smoke and no fire, and the only alarms going off were the alarms in the old section of the house. The alarms eventually turned off, but we were spooked. Nope. No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm good thanks though (laughs) my god-fearing mother also told me that once she woke up in the middle of the night to the face of an old woman just inches from her and she looked pissed that's like my biggest fear so props to you for that's that's like a classic hag story right there that's my biggest fear (laughs) oh god she says my mom scrambled to turn on the lights but the angry old woman was gone when she turned them on that would be so if somebody was right in my face I remember an episode of The Haunting that scared the shit out of me when I was little. It was this little girl in her room, and she turned, like, to turn her TV off because it kept turning back on, and there was just this face, and Mm-mm. just to this day, nope. Big W. No disembodied to, faces, please. Used to sleepwalk, and he would stand at the end of the bed and just stand there. Oh, my God. That my was cat scary in my old apartment thing. caught a mouse one time, and I woke up and... Uh, it was in the middle of our old apartment. We were sleeping in the living room because the bedroom ceiling was leaking. And in the middle of the night, I saw her playing with the mouse, and I went over to t- 
to look at it, but I didn't want to crouch down because I was afraid that if it was alive, it would jump at me. So I was just standing upright, you know, with my hair down long and I'm just staring at the floor. <laughs> and my boyfriend, he like slowly sits up and he's like, babe, like, terrified. He's like, I thought you were fucking possessed because I'm, I'm just standing there with like my fucking hair hanging down, staring at this dead mouse. It wasn't dead. I'm glad I didn't crouch down. <laughs> Scaring the crap out of you, but he's going to have nightmares for life after that one. Good. Shit from the ring or something. Swear <laughs> yeah. Morgan. It's worth noting that a tombstone was discovered in an overgrown field just feet away from the fence separating our property from our neighbors. Oh, cool. There were no markings on the stone anymore, and nothing was known about anyone being buried there, but maybe that's where the cranky old lady sleeps? I think that's a plausible explanation. Yeah. Also, the place I've lived for, like, seven years was a tiny, shitty little apartment, and I am convinced was haunted by a ghost cat. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but even my super skeptic of a husband has admitted to feeling something and being very creeped out. Now, I totally believe this because the house that I spent many years in as a small child, we had a ghost cat. Our neighbors would see it. It was like this orange tabby that would sit in the windows. We would see it darting from room to room, but you'd go into the room and there's no cat there. But you could see it in the hallway moving from one place to another. And we didn't have an orange tabby. There's a plate in Animal Spirits. My barn owner uh, believes, firmly believes that there's a... Horses that haunt the barn. I remember one time I was I was sitting hosing signal off in the stall when he heard himself, and I use pool noodles, you know, to keep my boots up. And I had mm-hmm. him in the lounge, in the lounge with the door shut because it's winter. And we're, I'm sitting there hosing him, and it just rolls down the aisle. And like I swear to God, both of us were just like, <laughs> "That's like, enough for tonight." He, I mean, he looks at me, and I look at him, and we're both just like, "No, no good, no. bye." <laughs> There's for sure animal spirits out there that love to fuck with you. She says, mostly it only happened at night, and while we were lying in bed trying to sleep, we would feel a cat jump up on the bed. We could feel the pressure that. and the weight of its four feet as it walked up the bed, but when we put our hands down to pet the cat, there was nothing but air. We have two cats, so we're very familiar with the feeling, and were initially never alarmed until we realized the cats were in the other room and the door was shut. I love that. I would love that. That sounds like best <laughs> case scenario. Like, the cat's like, I can tell you're a cat lover and I need some I company. Know. Oh my god, my heart is broken. <laughs> That's best case scenario. <laughs> I also on one occasion felt fur brush my ankle while I was standing by my bed. And when I bent down to look under my bed for the cat there, there was nothing there. Nothing under the bed. You can keep that. <laughs> so yeah. Thanks. <laughs> At least I hope. It was a ghost cat and nothing more sinister. Yeah, yeah like right. Some, some old woman's hair. No thanks. You can keep your under the bed <laughs> spirits. Like, pretend yeah. I'm a cat. <laughs> the oh old lady followed her. Oh, yeah. Maybe she's no. It I'm, might be I, her. Abby, I don't want to give you nightmares, but I'm wondering if that old lady followed you and it's her little. She's doing little hand things on the bed to make it feel like a cat. Have you ever seen uh, what's it called? Lights out. Is that what it's called? Uh, Diane, I think her name is, uh-huh. and it's just this. Uh, um, this this silhouette of a lady and she has these long nails and there's one scene where they're like in bed and they hear scratching and they like wake up thinking it's a cat and they just see and it's just her and she's scratching the floorboard and their door and you just see her silhouette and I almost threw up. Ew, no, that's <laughs> gross. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, not to, it was probably just this ghost cat. Don't get, you know, worried or anything. Yeah, but, right. No, it's but probably Diane. a ghost cat. I've had ghost cats. I, I believe that that's what it was. Yeah, for sure. They're out there and they're awesome. Well, I could go on and on, but I already have, so I'll leave you with those. I know none of those experiences are earth-shattering, but most real encounters with the paranormal really are, and that's very true. Yeah. A lot of them are little small things that you're like, there's just, I know what this is, and I know that there's no other explanation. Like, having somebody grab your butt. Yeah. 
I was wearing shorts and it's like, there was nothing else to explain that absolute, you feel the fingers digging in around your butt cheeks yeah, kind of thing. Not everybody like, wakes up to, you know, a demon standing in their closet or like a red eyed child, mm-hmm. like staring at them. No. It's lots of the times it's just small stuff like it that. It is little stuff. Thanks again for reaching out and I hope you enjoyed my stories. Have a great night and thanks for reading, Abby. Thank you for sharing that with us, Abby. That was a good one. I like those little stories. Sounds like, I, not to make you, you know, worry, but it sounds like you might be the one that's sensitive to haunting. I think she's probably <laughs> sensitive, yeah. Most likely. So I think those are our stories for tonight, right? So just a reminder to go out and check out eji.org. So that's the Equal Justice Initiative. And I'll put up those links like I always do so that you guys can go check them out. And I'll share them on Twitter. I'll share them on Facebook and Instagram, but really Twitter is where I'm most active. So go check it out there. Don't forget to rate and review. That's a really big one if you listen on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. Or go tell friends. Go tell friends. You go tell friends. I got friends. <laughs> you have friends? I do have friends. We don't have friends. I got paranormal friends. I got like three of them. And I've, I've talked about every one of them in this podcast. So I'll be like, hey, you're on the podcast. Go check it out. I mentioned you. Go check it out. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Where can they find us, baby? Instagram. Twitter. Facebook. Yeah. What's our What's our handle? Drink Drunk Dead. Yeah. Good job. You got it right. Classic. <laughs> Classic. What about our email? Drink Drunk Dead Podcast at gmail.com. So you can send us, if you have personal accounts you want us to read on our show, or if you just want to talk, if you have ideas for one of our episodes, let us know. Just shout us out. We'd love to have a chat. Bullshit. I'm very good at bullshitting. I'm a professional bullshitter these days. You'd love to talk to people. I do love to talk to people because I'm a people person. Is there something wrong with being a That's people, why, like, people person? That's why like investigating because they're not people. They're not a people person. <laughs> <laughs> they are people. They're just they were people. They're ethereal people. At now the, they're this now point. they're the spirit, which is so much better than real people. <laughs> is it? Because it's like I'd it's like concentrated that... whatever they were in life. So if yeah, they were really it's nice, mostly then it's concentrated And at least you know anger's legit. It's not like, so you don't have like some two-faced ghost pretending to be your friend that's like talking shit to your father when you're not there. It's that usually you, just... <laughs> that you know of. It might be a super nice ghost and then that you leave and they're like, that dumb fucking that bitch, dumb man. bitch in the upstairs bedroom. <laughs> Did you hear? She thought we were so cool. <laughs> oh, I don't think I'm going to paranormal investigate anymore. You just kind of ruined it for me. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming out and joining us <laughs> tonight. You. It was great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. It was a lot of fun. It was. <laughs> Shall we raise a toast? To our ghosts. To our ghosts.